0: Mormon Mental Health is a production of Mormon Stories Podcast and the Open Stories Foundation. All donations go directly towards keeping the podcast alive and towards supporting its listeners. To support the podcast, please consider a donation today at mormonmentalhealth.org. And thanks for listening.
1: Jesus,
0: followed up with her and I took her to church and asked her about how if she had read anything and and I went to her home and asked her parents also if I shared with them a little bit about the gospel and asked them if they would like to go to church also and so I did more frequent visits and and I got very close to her and it seemed like she was feeling something for me too at the time, I still didn't see myself as a lesbian and and she didn't either. I think she is, but i don 't know because we never talked about it but the way she the way we reacted to each other's uh conversations and and uh, small uh, affections and that made me think of it so i don 't know how long it passed, but a few months and I think we fell in love with each other very much, very, very much, and this was very torturing for me, because I, I remember going to my bishop and telling him, "I want to hold hands with this girl." And the first thing that he told me is like, "There is nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You're two women, there's nothing wrong. But of course, the only thing he saw is this wonderful uh, missionary member missionary. What wrong could she ever do, right? And I don't think she meant it like, oh yeah, it's okay to to have those sort of feelings. No, so so I I felt
2: really well. Maybe there wasn't really an understanding of of the sexuality behind that. In other words. And most of our, and I think definitely in Latin culture and in our culture, if you, you know, women holding hands or hugging or having more affection isn't always as sexualized for some reason as it is for men.
0: Yes. Yeah. So he was
2: normalizing these feelings, but in a sense, kind of poo-pooing your sexuality away, like, oh, that's not anything bad because it's not sexual.
0: Right. Yes, and but I I knew it was different for me because I never want to hold hands with with women. You know, even even though I'm I'm uh, I'm very friendly and everything, I'm not that type of of person that it's always hugging and things like that. I'm not. So for me to say that was a big thing. But but of course he wouldn't know this. So he said that, so I felt I felt good, I felt relieved, so I I held her hand. Now I always wanted to hold her hand whenever we would go out and everything. And, of course, the mother was a little like, oh, man, what's going on here? But she never said anything because she just felt so good around me. Like, I really was a good person, you know, and I was treating them very well. And and there was nothing else. We, We just held hands and... But then, with time, of course, I wanted more, and so I wanted to kiss her. And so then I went back to my bishop's office, uh, office and I told him, "Oh man, I want to kiss this girl." <laughs> so then he's realizing, "Oh, <laughs> no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You just..." I don't think he told me like you have to cut this from the root, but he said, "Just, just be careful, you know. Don't, don't do that because that's just wrong, you know." And so I thought, "Yeah, you're right." And. But, so it was very difficult. It was difficult to, to see her and and not to feel like I wanted to kiss her and, and be more intimate with her. And she was, I think at this time, she was exploring her sexuality too. Because she had never had a boyfriend and she told me she didn't feel attracted to guys. So then she's like, what if I am something like that or like gay or... Like, we didn't even speak these words. We didn't mention gay, lesbian, nothing like that. But we were both exploring at the same time. And this is the time when I got four of my wisdom teeth out. But I had no family with me. And so I I couldn't stay on the ship. I had to be, like, three days somewhere else. And so she was the one that said, well, why don't you come here? And so I spent those nights there and they only had a bed. So I ended up sleeping with her, but we were not sexual or anything. I don't remember any pain from my wisdom teeth. I, I had this huge face because I even got an infection on it and it was terrible and I had to go back. And But I, that's one of the most pleasant memories I have is that I, I, I was with her and, and just sharing a bed with her. That, that meant the world to me. But, of course, it made me realize, oh, man, these feelings really are kind of strong. So I think during this time, I started sort of labeling myself as having same-sex attraction, and uh, which I didn't even before. I started wondering, could it be that it's different from my m- mom's absence in the beginning? Could it be? Things just <laughs> started breaking a little bit for me because I couldn't make sense of it anymore. And... This is when my dad also came to visit me to San Diego. He was on his way to Salt Lake. So he's, well, he didn't stop on his way to Salt Lake in San Diego, no. But he he made the way out to visit me. A few weeks before, actually, I told my mother to come and, and stay with me. And I was going to try to make her my dependent so that she could live with me. And because she was having a hard time in Florida, and I just wanted to take care of her and... And uh, so I tried that. I didn't even have a place for her. Like I said, I didn't have any apartment or anything. But my faith was so great that a week before she came, she arrived in California. I asked this widow in our ward, who was very, very nice, I asked her, hey, uh, do you think that my mom could stay (laughs) at your home? But previous to my asking her, I just prayed so hard that Heavenly Father would, would help me find a place for my mom to stay. And so I asked this lady and she said, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, no problem. And so she ended up staying with this lady for like three or four months. And during that time was when my dad came. So they were together. We were the three of us. In the same city, which is not very popular for my mom and dad to communicate sometimes they 're okay talking to each other, but just very not very often at all and At one point, I was with my dad. it was a Saturday, and my mom she called me, she was desperate, she was crying she's like why didn 't you tell me what happened?" And I was thinking, what what just happened? What are you talking about? And she said, I read your journal. I read a part of it. I The Lord guided me to it or the Spirit guided me to it. And I knew I had to read it. What's going on w- with this girl? So I had written about this girl I was seeing. And and I guess she read some of it. And she was just devastated, like why I didn't trust her. and But at the same time, because I was with my dad, I one, I was very hurt that she would go and, and read my journal. And two, I was... Ashamed, of course, and and I just didn't know how to react to that, and and so I, I hung up the phone. I, I was just like, "Oh, you had no right to go into my diary and and everything." And my dad, like I said, he had to do a trip to Salt Lake, so he said, "Why don't you come with me? Just uh, like two or three days, I don't remember." And uh, so I said, "Of course," and uh, and we we left to Salt Lake the day after or two days after, and I remember just having this these wonderful feelings when I got to to Temple Square and, wow, I just started crying and I was just feeling like this is heaven. And when we listened to the Mormon tabernacle, they were singing, oh, divine Redeemer. And I just remember sobbing so much. I had to blow my nose every like two minutes because I was just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And everybody was looking at me like, what is wrong with this girl? And I think it was like all of those feelings together, like, oh, no, my mom just find out. My dad, we're going to talk about it, no doubt, in at some point. And, but my testimony was so strong in the church and nothing made sense to me at this time. And uh, My dad, of course, he talked to me and I told him about this girl and he said, he told me the same thing that he had said before. He said, you need to cut this from the root. You cannot see her again, cannot call her, cannot email her, nothing at all. And and again, the same thing. I was like, oh my, everything just collapsed at that moment. And I was a few months away from going on deployment, which was good because I was leaving that city. And, uh, but it was just very, very, very difficult. I remember just going, uh, when I went back, when we went back from Salt Lake and the last visit I paid to this friend. And when I told her, I can't see you anymore. My bishop told me no. And my dad said I had to cut it from the root. And I remember her saying things like, But listen to your heart, you know, listen to what you're feeling. Listen, what does God say? And I was just like, well, that's why we have leaders. That's why we have parents. So they can also talk to us and they can guide us. And, And I believe in my dad, you know, 100%. I didn't give my mom a chance to say anything about it. I didn't speak to her. I just, I don't know. I guess I was so afraid or so ashamed, but I don't know. This didn't go well. At all, and then it ended up that being that she went back to Florida and my dad went back to colombia and and I was just left there and and on that day that I'm saying that I visited this friend for the last time, and I told her this on my way back to my boat, I was just miserable i i, I it was like four o'clock in the morning or something, because I talked to her through the night and I was on my bike for a very long distance and going through very dangerous parts of, of San Diego. And, and I couldn't care about anything. I'm like, somebody just kill me now. Like, I don't care. You can come, you can attack me. You would just do me a favor. I was always look, almost looking for something like that. And I never thought about suicide, but I did think many times, many a times, I, I I, would say, just let something happen. It doesn't matter what, you know, it could be on the ship, and, um, you know, something could happen, very high, uh, a very hard tempest, or something, or or an accident, or, or this time, I thought, well, a robber can come, or attack me, or kidnap me, I could care less. I, it was just devastating this time for me, and I got to the ship, and And I was very, very ill (laughs) emotionally for a long time. And so finally we went on deployment and luckily we were so extremely busy that I was able to get over it. And I got back my tag, let's say, for for missionary work. And and I just tried to be this super missionary during during, uh, deployment. And sometimes people would come and ask me like, man, how do you do it? And I'd just be like, hey, you have a minute? I'll explain <laughs> to you what's what's going on. So I guess me coming out of that and being that strong and spiritually, it made me feel like, oh, I should have done the right thing. That was probably the right thing. So it is wrong. It is wrong to, to love a woman. It is wrong to even think about it. And so that was more damaging for me in the long run, of course. And... But then I, so I finished my period in the, in the military. I went on my mission and it was a lovely time, my mission, but it was also very difficult because, because I was all the time with sisters. There was one in particular when it was, it was very difficult and I I fell in love with her and it was just very difficult to finish that mission. I, in fact, I didn't finish the 18 months. I was a month shy because it was turning into a hell for me and uh, and living with this every day. And I was having some uh, issues with my body and my feet and my back. So I told my mission president, I asked him, hey, I don't think I can do this anymore. I really don't. You know, I want to finish an honorable mission. and, And it's just being too hard right now. And he said, well, you know, you really served your mission in the first six months you were here. And so I don't think there's there's use in in having you here, torturing yourself so much. So why don't you call your dad and just let him know and, and just go back. And uh, so I called my dad and I told him, well, you know, I've been having some, some difficulties with my health and my back and I had done an MRI on it and everything was okay. And I think everything was mostly from stress. And then I told him, and you know about that other thing that happens with me, I think that has to do with it too. And he was so shocked and, or not even shocked, yes, but I think embarrassed. I felt him being embarrassed about me finishing my mission early because of that. And so I quickly brushed it off and said, no, but you know, it's, that, that's under control really what, what the, the main thing is, is my health. And so then, I noticed he was a little bit relieved. But mm. yeah, but that was very hard. <laughs> so was your was your mission president aware of these
2: feelings that you were struggling with?
0: About halfway through my mission, when I fell in love with this companion, I had to tell him because these feelings were just too powerful. And what's comic about it is we because I was a visitors center missionary we had like the director of the visitor center and then we had our mission president but at the time the one closest to us was uh, or closest to me uh, at that moment was my visitor center director so i told him because i was just having a very hard time and i told him and then as soon as i tell him he tells me why do you tell me this you need to tell this to your mission president and he <laughs> made me feel like so underestimated and so i don't know confused i was like well isn't this like a gospel of love like okay so maybe i didn't go through my correct chain of command as you'd say in the military or something but i am i am appointed to you in in some way at least and and can't you help me or something like that and um, I mean, he did help me, but, but that's, that's just the first reaction he had. And then he made it clear during another meeting to all the sisters that we needed to take things up to our mission president. And so that was a little bit difficult for me. And then he told my, my mission president and he called me and asked me about it. And so I told him a little bit about this. And that's when he sent me full pros in full proselyting in Kansas. So I went to I went to Kansas and I I'm just heartbroken <laughs> like I've been before and this time I I was with a companion who didn't want to work at all. And I want to work like twice as much. And so it was very, very difficult. And And I guess that also helped me because I had other problems to take care of right then, which was trying to get my companion to work with me and to read and to go visit people. She didn't want to do anything. She would leave me standing in the door, like outside or, or in the car for long periods of time or we would go uh, to visit somebody and she if he was uh, if somebody from the war we would stay for hours there and so i was dealing with that which i now think probably helped me to get over my heartbreak which i didn't go, get over it right then on the mission but but that helped a lot so yes he was aware of that and it sounds like Throughout all
2: of these times when either your father or a bishop or your mission president or even when your mom kind of was starting to understand what was happening for you, it was a very quick dismissal. It was very like quick to say, well, this is just wrong, so you need to stop. But there doesn't seem to be much conversation or exploration with you about what this meant for you or like, it it almost seems like the anxiety was so high around this topic that it was just stop and let's not talk about it again. Is that fair? Or was there more to it than that? Well,
0: no. Behind the scenes, I was very disturbed by it because I, I knew I was feeling things. And the way I was explaining it to myself, even up to a few years ago was, no, my mom wasn't there. So that's probably why. And and I just kept saying this to myself, and also, because I was so religious and I had this problem, I was never aware of like current events or or things like that, so I never knew about these LGBT issues. I didn't even know that acronym, I didn't know there were like out lesbians, and I didn't know these things, like I knew about gays and lesbians, and I thought they were just weak people that didn't trust enough in the Lord. I didn't have anything against them, not at all. If anything, I thought, I'm going to help that population to realize that they can trust in God and they can be like me, sort of, that they can maybe not overcome this, but that they can cope with this. And so I feel like it was such a hard thing for me to come to terms with that I needed to be on a spiritual high all the time. So that's what I did. I made myself... uh, not not necessarily like read too much or things like that, but just do and help a lot because I knew that would get me uh, to where I needed to be spiritually, and so I didn't. I was so happy that I, I that that that's what helped me, you know, to to cope with this. Okay, so you're
2: in this kind of stage of your life where, like you're saying, you're coping. We've talked about the fact that you're you're married and have two kiddos. Right. So let's go into that part of your story. How do you enter into a heterosexual marriage and, and what was that journey like for you?
0: Okay, so right after I finished my mission, I go to Colombia. Oh, because I left a month early. So I didn't want to go back to my mom because I was afraid. That was the initial plan, but I was afraid that she would ask me something and I wouldn't know how to handle it. And and our, our visits, when I was in the military, I would visit my mom for the holidays or something. It was always very hard because we would always fight because of religion. I always told her things like, how can you say you love me so much when you are going to let me go to the celestial kingdom by myself? You, you're not even trying to go there because you're not even going to church and, and your, your, your ceiling doesn't mean anything now. And I was very judgmental about these things. And I didn't realize until a few months ago how much I hurt my mom with those comments when I was... Sincerely trying to make her see that I just wanted us to be together, you know in the in the celestial kingdom that 's what I wanted. I wanted an internal family, and that 's how the church taught me that we could have an internal family and so I drilled it on her and and on my siblings because I have been the most active in my family for, well. I guess now now i 'm not but but I had been very active always, so I was always encourages, encouraging many people, so I went after my mission i didn 't go back to my mom's, but I went back to my dad's and but he had to leave, and so did my stepmother and my my two siblings and oh, yeah, so my dad got married afterwards, and he had uh, two more children. so I went there, but I was by myself for about i don 't know three weeks or so, and this is the time when we started communicating with my current husband, Elmer. But actually, uh, we met back when I was 14, right before I left to the States. That's when we first met. And uh, we continued a friendship through letter and then through email and sometimes telephone, but very randomly for about 10 years before we got married. But during this time, right after I, I left my mission and I was in Colombia, we saw each other. Oh, wait. Okay. So I have to go back right before I went on my mission. I saw Elmer. I went to Colombia to kind of like see my my family for a few days. And I saw Elmer and we were just walking and, you know, we sort of uh, had feelings for each other. And I just asked him. I was very pragmatical about it, like not (laughs) not very. (laughs) I don't know. There was a lot of romanticism in me. At the time, but I asked him. So, so what about us? You know, what, what's going to happen with us? And he said, "Well, I guess we'll probably get married after, or I, I I probably like to marry you, or something like that." And and I said, "Okay, so so that's great. So after, just wait for me. About eighteen months, I'll be right back. I'm just I'm just going on a mission, and then I'll be back, and then we can get married. And like everything, <laughs> it was like a plan for me. Like I knew what plan I I had to do, and so." That's more or less what, what I thought. But so we saw each other right before my mission. During uh, my mission, we wrote to each other faithfully every every P day, or every week at least. And halfway through, or through my mission, a little, a little like three quarter way through my mission, I wrote him a letter about what had been happening in my life and what I had felt for this woman, and including. Uh, this companion. And so I wrote him a very long letter. I remember I didn't sleep that night until I didn't go to sleep until uh, about three in the morning. And I guess, well, it obviously impacted him very much because he didn't write for a few weeks or at least a couple of weeks. But I knew I was doing the right thing because I wanted to to make sure that, that he knew where I stood in this. And even though I wasn't very clear on it, I wrote what I felt and what I had lived so far. And I remember writing something like, but I think it's different with you because, because uh, I don't know, I, I guess I haven't been with other guys and, and, and I just feel different around you and which I couldn't really say too much about that because we hadn't been together, 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 you know, we had, we had known each other mostly through letters. And so, we didn't really have uh, a lot of um, courting time or anything. So after my mission, I have a few weeks to spend with him. So we're still on for our marriage. We don't know when yet, but, but we're still on for it. And, uh, and this is the, like our only, uh, dating time, I guess. And, uh, but then I left and, and it went all right. I mean, we didn't go out like every day or anything and, and, uh, I mean it was very nice we 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 had many things in common you know musically we loved we both loved music and and uh, we both played the piano and uh, he was studying to be a musician and he was about to graduate and we just had a very very nice time together, going to concerts and doing the things that we enjoyed together and I remember one of the most powerful times together was when we were out in this park in this little pedal boat and I was telling him about Joseph Smith and I was telling him about uh, the church and what it meant to me and because oh he wasn't a member of the church and and I wanted uh, him to know how important this part of me was like it really wasn't a part of me I told him it's it's who i am my religion is is who i am it's it's everything i am and that i remember was so special and he was so receptive to it he's like wow the way you speak of it is is so lovely and everything and so we i think we connected even uh, more spiritually and and of course more on a friendship level and and there was some physical attraction but i wasn't all the way there as as he may have been so after i go back to uh, Utah, I go to the LDS Business College for some time and during this time he stays in Colombia and oh, I wanted to go back into the military because I had uh, seen some people offer the job that I wanted so I I thought oh, maybe I will go back into the military and then at some point I'll take a break go to Colombia, marry him then uh, maybe he can come with me and then I don't know. I, I thought God's going to figure things out, how everything's going to work out. But but that was my plan at some point. And so I was doing this. This is during the fall of 2007. And and then finally, one day I was going to the temple every single week. I'd go and this one time I went to pray. And I prayed very, very hard uh, about my military career. Because I, I was supposed to swear in that day. Uh, again, into the I, this time I was going into the National Guard. But because of one small question that I answered incorrectly or, or, or the way they didn't like it, I, they didn't let me swear in. But I could fix that. There, there were some things that some people could do to get me in. So I went to the temple to pray very hard about it. And what I felt was nothing related to my work. The, 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 the answer I felt was, if you don't go right now to marry this man, you're going to lose him. And it was so powerful that I, right after I finished, I went to uh, to call uh, my recruiter. First of all, I told him, okay, it's over. Uh, I don't want to do it anymore. And even though I really, 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 really want, wanted to do it because I, that's, that was just my life, uh, like military style and, and languages and everything. So I was very excited for it. But at the same time, I knew that, if the Lord told me, or if if I felt like the Lord told me, and it was the Spirit talking to me, if I followed that Spirit because I had seen it in my life, I knew that that He would take care of things, and I knew that I would be very happy, and I and I knew that that we had uh, the potential to be very happy together, and everything. And so after I called my recruiter, I called Elmer, and I uh, I told him, hey. Let's get married. Let's get married this this um, this holidays coming up, and and uh, it was almost. It must have been December already, I think, because after that phone call, it was like three weeks after when I arrived in Colombia, and then just a couple of weeks later, uh, or not a couple of weeks, like a month later, the first of February of 2008, we got married.
2: Wow. So that's, that's a big, that's a big experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Elmer, at this point, you're saying was not a member of the church, but you're kind of in the same way that you've been doing for so many years at this point as you're sharing your testimony and um, he does eventually get baptized or not? Or Oh,
0: sorry. Yeah, no. So he got baptized. Uh, he got baptized before that. We, we actually married in the temple. Yeah. He got baptized uh, before we, uh, before I went on my mission, he got baptized. And right after I left, uh, I finished my mission while I was going through the LDS business college during that semester, he got his uh, endowment. And so we got married in the temple. Yeah. It's just so much story. (laughs) But this is a quick. No, that's, Yeah. yeah,
2: that's good.
0: Okay. So maybe that that's oh, and somewhat, yeah, go ahead. Something, something that I remember when I was at the LDS business college. So I talked to two people. I opened up to two of my teachers. They were females. And, um, and I told them I was going to get married. And the only thing I, I heard from them, I didn't know what to expect. I just wanted to say this was they told me, Oh wow that's that's you have a lot of faith you know like almost almost praising my faith and so that also that was also a um a sign to me that oh yeah i'm on the right track you know i, I just need more faith more faith more faith and things are going to work out
2: why, why did they say that? Meaning, did they know about some
0: of these same sex feelings that you'd had? Or? Yeah, when I said I opened up to them. Yeah, I meant I told them about my situation oh, that, I I, that I thought uh, I might be
2: attracted to women. Okay, so you're getting feedback from other members of the church that this is the right path to go that even though you're having these same sex feelings, that having faith and, and getting married to a man is, is the right path.
0: Right. And what I think is that it's just ignorance. You know, I don't know if they really believed it, but but they didn't know any better. So yeah, that th- those are the kind of things that probably most members would say. I don't know, maybe not now.
2: Well, and and looking back on, on your experience at that time, how was your relationship with Elmer, which it sounds like a, a very good one, like a good friendship, and like you said, even some, some physical attraction and, and kind of headed in the right direction. But it also sounded from what you said earlier, that there was some like, maybe just kind of mental decision that you'd made that that's the route you were going to go. And so he was a good fit and kind of forcing you to go down that route. It, it doesn't sound as spontaneous as some of the relationships you had with women. Or am I leading too much into that?
0: No, no, not at all. Yeah, it was... It was very much like a plan. Like I knew I had to get married. Like even though I wanted to be this uh, captain in the Navy and I wanted to, to do like all these other things, I knew what I had to do. Was to get married and was to have children and 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 these things and and I I developed a huge amount of faith in these. In fact, I remember during those navy years, Sister Beck, Julie B. Beck, um, she gave this talk as the president of the Relief Society, General Relief Society. She gave two talks that changed me forever, and and they were about the mother heart, and and the the other one about where she quotes Proverbs thirty one. And, and so I, I wanted to tune in into my, like my female side, as we view it in the church, like I wanted to become that which she described, like that type of woman, that type of wife, that type of mother, I wanted to be that so bad. And I thought, like, when I was a kid, I remember, I remember saying, Oh, man, I just, I just want to be, I just want to be a boy. That's what I want to be. I don't know why I was born a girl. I just don't get it, and and so so much confusion. But I remember during this time I was thinking, no, this is the right path. I want to tune into this. How do I do that? And, and I remember studying those talks for for amazing amounts of times, and just reading the scriptures and trying to to tap into these. This this female role of the church and but from the heart, you know, because it's sometimes it's easy to say, well, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. But I wanted to own it. I wanted to to be that, to be a good wife, a good mother, a loving uh, person, a loving sister in the Relief Society. And and so that that had a lot to do with it. Also, my decision to to get married, but, but to be happy with it, to be okay with it
2: yeah so so Elmer was your road to that to that end, in a sense yes. he represented all these things that we so much value in Mormon culture, right an eternal marriage, a celestial family, being able to fulfill these roles that are seen as divine, correct
1: right now,
2: just to clarify just slightly when you're going back and saying that, as a little girl, sometimes you wanted to be a boy. You're not saying that there was transgendered issues there. Like, are you pretty comfortable as a woman and as a lesbian woman, or was there still parts of you that wanted to be a man? That's
0: I'm not sure. Like, I I look back and and I I had those very specific moments when I remember telling some people, some clerks in some stores, that that I wanted to be a boy, and I would cry and I say, why wasn't I a boy? And I don't know. I, I mean, now I'm pretty comfortable being a woman and but I don't know if a lot of it has to do with with the with me trying to to own that so bad you know Mm. so I don't know I don't know honestly
2: yeah and some of these things are just really tricky to completely define as well right yeah
0: I'd say I'm an in-between between between a lesbian and a trans (laughs) yeah right okay
2: (laughs) Okay, so at at this point of the interview, what we're going to do is is actually invite your husband to join us. So hello, Elmer.
3: Hello, Natasha.
2: Thank you so much for, for being with us. Elmer is also from Colombia and so um and English isn't quite maybe as strong. So if we need to do some translation stuff, we'll we'll do that. So no worries on that end. Um so we you know we've spent the last bit kind of talking through Lorena's history and how she identified both as um, same sex gender attracted, and also as a Mormon and how that kind of helped frame her decision to marry you and and her experiences kind of leading her towards that route. And so at this point, I'd like to have you both kind of just share where you're currently at and how this has affected your marriage. And um and kind of some of the journey that you've been on, probably for the last few years, as far as some decisions that you're going to be taking in the near future.
3: Yes. So, obviously, everything changed. First, I am thank you with Lauren. Thankful with Lauren because she was honest with me, and almost nine months ago, she was talking with me about the situation. And uh, obviously, it's difficult when you have. Kids in between and uh, the topic, because that is new also for me as a Lauren. Probably it's new, all the, um, I don't know, like uh, all of kind of uh, situations with gays and lesbians. Um, obviously, to me, it was new also. And basically, the process has been learning a lot, but uh, changing the, the way of the, of the marriage life. Now we're living, we're still living together, trying to think more, like, relax and taking the best decisions before the the divorce or the officially divorce. Um, yes, but uh, in the beginning, obviously it was hard. It's still hard, but I think that God, he wants to continue helping us about all the decisions that we take. and. In the most part, to me, is the, um, because the kids are between our marriage life. He wants the best for them, and th- that is basically our goal now. And obviously, for Lauren, the kids they are gonna stay with Lauren, and uh, that is the time to organize a lot of things, you know. Because now they're in divorce. Uh, she's gonna be with the kids, and I'm gonna be. I'm gonna try to be near to them, and. Uh, Yes, continuing this life.
2: Yeah, so, um, okay, so, Elma, you're probably getting a little bit ahead of where Lorena and I were. So what you're saying is that um, about nine months ago, then, Lorena had came to you and sat down with you and discussed this issue more at length or differently than she did, obviously, when you were... Uh, dating Lorena, do you want to talk about that a little bit how did you How did you approach elmer and and why and kind of what was that about
0: um, nine months ago yes yes so um, well i I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, a little bit before that about our marriage because we had a good time together on many aspects, but something that I brought into the marriage, which was very harmful, was my strictness with the church. And this made things so difficult for us. I I judged him a lot, many a times, and I, I just thought... You know why isn't he doing this so perfectly like he should, or like I thought he should? And and uh, why aren't we having scripture study every single day? And and uh, him by himself, and us as a couple? And why aren't we um, just doing everything that that the church uh, asked? And and I would get very upset, and and I just thought this is why we have. Problems because we cannot do these things so simple as they are. We cannot do them not even for a week straight. And so my challenge was always: let's just do them at least for a week, uh, and you'll see. I had this full faith that if we did them at least a week, then then things would change. And he would always say things like, "Well, I don't think it, it's only about about uh, reading or 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 not uh, doing certain things on the Sabbath or." Or, um things like that and uh, and I thought well you know that that's that's when when uh, when the lord talks about um that by small things great things come to to pass and and I thought what, why is it so hard for the world and for him to understand that these little things do make a huge difference you know because they had made a huge difference for me my whole life and so I brought a lot of stress into our marriage because of that and through that and of course um he had been a recent convert now it's been how long have you been a member now eight years about eight years so when we got married about yeah seven years ago he was very new and and for me to throw everything to him and at the level that I was you know having uh, come from a mission and, and and the other mission in my in, in the military, which was very much a, a spiritual mission to, it was just crazy. I, I was ruining my marriage like that. And uh, so,
2: so having all of these, like, very high expectations, you mean, of living the Mormon lifestyle to the T, is, is what I'm right. referring to. Do you think that had anything to do with, I mean, where did this rigidity come from? Was this was this any by any chance tied to maybe the fact that you were trying to get rid of same sex attraction and feeling like if you lived the letter of the law that somehow you would be helped in that process, or do you think there was personality traits or what, maybe a combination of stuff?
0: Yeah, well, a, a lot of things, but a, a big one was I remember growing up like that with my dad. Like there were things we just had to do, you know, if we didn't want to go to a young woman. I'm sorry, too bad. You have to go, you know, and, and things like that. We just had to do it. And we weren't super per- perfect at home, but but that's what he wanted. He wanted, he would love for us to, to read every day and to do these things every day. And he knew, he knew that this would help us. And, and he has always shown that, you know, by, by action, that if you do these things, you will live a happier life. You will live a more peaceful life and everything. So he was very rigid on the one side. On the other side, I was also very rigid because I think a personality trait, I loved military because of the strictness of it. Also, I, I just love everything being so strict and orderly and timely. And that's just the kind of person I am. And so having that trait and actually going into the military and experience that and then going on a mission and, and experiencing that. And, and then to top it all off, I did want to maybe not get rid of this same-gender attraction, because I, I knew I couldn't get rid of it, um, but I wanted to cope with it. So my, my idea was the only reason I can cope with it or uh, for me to cope with, with it was not to sin. So the only reason, uh, the only way I could not sin about it was to be just perfectly obedient. So so I wanted that. and And my mission president, that, that was his motto, per- perfect obedience. And so that's what I wanted to do, just just be perfectly obedient. And so that that's where it came from, yeah, that rigidity.
2: So what was this like for you, Elmer, to be, in a sense, I mean, do you agree with Lorena that this was what was happening and that there was a lot of expectation coming from her side of the marriage that you didn't feel like you were meeting her expectations or didn't want to do some of the things that she wanted to do? or I mean, what was that like for you?
3: Oh, yes, definitely. Like Lauren is describing the situation that was like that. To me, like she says, as a new member, be a new member of the Mormon church is not easy. And I was an, an active member in the Catholic church, my first church. And uh, I was an active member and I loved the gospel and everything. And and as soon as I begins to to knew about the Mormon church, I also like about all the gospel and all the, not like a rules, but like a, all the system that the church used to help us to be someday with God. But definitely I didn't do something like that, like reading every day. And the, always that was a big problem. I like to read not every day, probably because the tension that that we had in the relation that tension was really bad. I mean, probably she was trying to help helping me with that, but uh, probably because I rejected, because it was all the time the situation that I supposed to be better with that topic. But I was thinking I am trying to do my best, and I I was following the rules in the church, and I uh, I wasn't perfect, but yes, that point to me um, make uh, it showed me a lot of traditions or customs that she brings from her family. Obviously, I know her dad and uh, it's really nice how they they live the, the Mormon life and and nice it, it, for them. To me, I'm really happy because it's working well but I think it's not, it, that doesn't work ev- ev- really well for everybody because we're not the same person. And yes, that was something like that. Probably a lot of tension.
2: Yeah. So even though you're mentioning that you had been active in the Catholic faith, you know, adjusting to Mormon, uh, lifestyle change was still difficult. Like there was a lot more kind of of the daily routine that was expected that you had not really built into habits. So even though you, you enjoyed reading scriptures, if it wasn't done daily, then somehow you were falling short. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Mormon Mental Health. To discuss this episode, please check us out at mormonmentalhealth.org. To keep the podcast alive, please consider a donation today, again, at mormonmentalhealth.org. Logo was provided by Daniel Singer. Music was generously donated by Lower Lights. Please check them out at thelowerlights.com. And thanks for listening.
1: Oh. short and compass came from thee. Jesus, Savior, pilot me. Unknown ways, Unknown ways before me roll. Hiding round. And treacherous show, charred and came for me. Jesus, saved